2: Become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult.
1: Welcome to the Entertainment Business Wisdom Podcast with your hosts, Kaya Alexander and Sylvia Franklin.
2: I'm so excited to have you with us today uh, with our live audience today for my podcast, The Entertainment Business Wisdom. And when I do these live, these calls are called The Secret Not Calls because sometimes we don't know what special guest is going to be behind the curtain. And today it's the amazing novelist um, and great mind among us, David Brin. I'm going to tell you about him in just a moment Sometimes there are individuals who are joining me for the first time who don't know who I am. um, And I'm happy to introduce myself too. My name is Kaya Alexander. I am the founder of the Entertainment Business School. And uh, I was a development exec. I worked on movies like Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds and Peaceful Warrior with Nick Nolte. Uh, I had a wonderful career that I then went on to work for comedian Gary Shandling, who I really miss, who we all miss really. Um, and so, all of my love of entertainment, love of especially writing, comes into play as I teach my students in the Entertainment Business School, which you can learn more about at entertainmentbusinessschool.com. And I'm excited to introduce David Brin to you. So, let me tell you a few things about him. David is a scientist. He is a tech speaker, consultant, and author. His novels about our survival and opportunities in the near future are Earth and Existence. A film by Kevin Costner was based on The Postman. His 16 novels, including New York Times bestsellers and Hugo Award winners, have been translated into more than 20 languages. Earth foreshadowed global warming, cyber warfare, and the World Wide Web. David, you might be the only novelist who predicted the World Wide Web. (laughs) An advisor to NASA's innovative and advanced concepts program, David appears frequently on shows such as Nova and The Universe and Life After People, speaking about science and future trends. His first nonfiction book, The Transparent Society, Will Technology Make Us Choose Between Freedom and Privacy? Won the Freedom of Speech Award of the American Library Association. And his second nonfiction book is Vivid Tomorrows, Science Fiction and Hollywood, which I'm really excited to talk to him about. Uh, there's There's so much there for us to unpack. David, welcome.
0: Well, oh, thank you, Kaya, <laughs> and um, and thank you, Stuart, uh, for supporting Kaya and um, all of you out there. Uh, it's it's a fascinating world that we live in, and um, so let's plunge in.
2: Yeah, let's plunge in. For those of you who don't know, David is also my neighbor here in San Diego, and does a lot of work with UCSD and the Center for Human Imagination. So, David, catch us up on on what you are excited about these days. What has your what has captured your imagination?
0: Well, you know, the, the, the uh, I just finished uh, the symposium of NASA's Innovative and Advanced Concepts program. Uh, I'm one of the members of the um, uh, uh, external council of advisors for NIAC and the, the, the programs just keep getting better and better. Uh, NIAC is, um, NASA's sort of science fictional, you know, fingertip, uh, the, the, the uh, little mini micro DARPA off on the side of NASA, where, um, NIAC funds, um, projects that are just this side of science fiction. Uh, in plausibility, so small grants to people to try to get, uh, innovate, and some of the some of the programs are amazing. Uh, you know, far side of the moon, radio telescopes, ways to catch up with these interstellar um, uh, rocks or maybe visitors that have been plunging through our solar system. Um, uh, amazing things. So that's that's actually um, most recent amazing stuff. But mostly that's just me keeping my hand in on science. I have a few projects. Um, When I got my PhD uh, here at UCSD, um, I thought that my novel writing would be the artistic hobby that a lot of scientists have. And this is something that I've realized since an early age, since my father took me to see Einstein play the violin when I was three. And at Caltech, uh, uh, Richard Feynman and his bongo drums and his painting, I realized that the best scientists all had artistic sidelines. Uh, And that's what I thought it was going to be. But it turned out that civilization disagreed with me. They said, (laughs) no, your fiction writing is the dog. Your science is the tail.
2: Oh, so Um, surprised there. So so I
0: I do science on the side. and. Lately, I've been um, um, the impresario of two um, uh, futuristic um, series of short novels for young adults. Um, One is um, the High Horizon series in which um, uh, aliens kidnap a California high school and live to regret it. <laughs> um, this one. had a this had a fair amount
2: of, that now as a movie too, yeah, well, is, this is. had
0: a had a fair amount of Hollywood interest, actually <clears throat> a while back. Uh, Disney wanted to take it and make it porkys in space, and I refused uh, because I think that uh you know, whereas it's a fun series, uh, loads of fun and some humor, l- l- what kids would want to do. And it's of course a takeoff and riff and answer to um, to Lord of the Flies,
1: mm, uh, and
0: while, whereas the kids have to overcome a lot of the things that Golding talked about in that novel, nevertheless, the thing that kids would look for is that teenagers is not to party on, dude. What they really hunger for, and they always have, is to be taken seriously, and these teenagers find themselves in a situation where things have to be taken very seriously. The other YA series I'm developing is more for where I'm mentoring new authors, uh, and it's called the Out of Time series. And it's a deliberate effort to create a, a series of young adult novels that do not fall for the easy sell Easy writing of an apocalyptic dystopia. Um, Instead, what happens is kids from all across time are yanked into a future that's a utopia. Humanity has made a really good civilization, but there's a sudden crisis, and they desperately, suddenly need um, diplomats, liars, secret agents, warriors, and And they've forgotten how to do all this stuff. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. But meanwhile, in the emergency, they reach back in time for the greatest heroes who they revere across time. But here's the MacGuffin. An adult who tries to teleport to the stars with this new technology or tries to teleport through time will die. Only if your body is still growing can you teleport or be yanked through time. So uh,
2: only re- the teens
0: can come, huh? Only teens can come and only teens can settle the galaxy or do all the adventures out there. That's really fun. And, and so the what happens is uh, in order to get these heroes, they have to get them when they were teenage jerks. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So it starts out, nope, de-dope, de-dope. I'm an idiot. I'm in high school. Uh, and you yanked into the future and told it, I'm going to be somebody you'll remember me so anyway that's that's the conceit for these two YA series and they're both getting movie nibbles but uh, that brings us back circle full circle to your uh, topic here which is how science fiction uh, interplays with movies
2: Yes. Well, let me ask you first. Are you also a screenwriter or do you tell us about your process? Because you have a lot of IP. You've written so many novels. What is your relationship to Hollywood like?
0: Well, um, of course, you know, people bring up The Postman and Kevin Costner. Um, It it was a very mixed experience. I have an essay about it online. Uh, People expect me to be angrier than I actually am, despite the fact that Costner himself um was a real jerk to me uh, he spoke 12 words to me you make a movie of somebody's book you'd think you'd take them to dinner he never even bought me a beer um, but it was very important to him that uh, I be the sort of guy who gave a little idea to his great movie then he's making a movie of my great book and, but you see this I grew up in Hollywood this is a poison that affects anybody who is considered a Lord in any human society. And what we have done in our society is our Lords are entertainers. Yeah. And that's an improvement because for most of 6,000 years, the Lords were guys with swords. Um, Right now, the worst he can do is make a bad movie of my book. He can't come into my house and drag my daughter off. Um,
2: and he wouldn't. We know he wouldn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but believe me, I don't, I don't think he's he's that awful a guy. He just he just had some thing going. You're on the record. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't expect him ever to do me any favors or ever buy me that beer. Um,
2: Kevin, if you're listening,
0: the we'll point give, you, we'll is, give you David's email. <laughs> the point is that I cared a lot more about other things. And the movie he made fundamentally was faithful to the heart of the message of my book. It was all there exactly. Brian Helgeland, the screenwriter, was largely responsible for that. But Costner also got the basic point that if civilization ever fell, it would not be up to the lone hero to save the day. It would be up to the survivors who are reminded by the hero that they were once magically powerful beings called citizens and that as citizens, they might bring it, even bring it back if they restored their connections. And that's the postman there. So, so how, did
2: that, how did that book get optioned? Get, walk us through it a little oh, bit. Well, well, a lot of optioned,
0: it was optioned very, very soon um, after it came out. My then agent, no longer my agent, said, this will be your only chance, quick sign. And, of course, it was for almost nothing and uh, gave me no ability to um, see or hear anything. And it was 12 years of hell because they proceeded to hire a very famous screenwriter who uh, just produced a dreadful, awful series of rewrites, all of which deliberately uh, reversed every moral point in my story. So it was hell, and especially since every three months after that, people called me up saying, "Oh, I would love to make this movie."
2: Oh gosh, really? So, and then it was already uh, under
0: option, so you oh, didn't. Oh, oh. I had tons of other options, including my neighbor here, uh, your neighbor, to uh, Richard Dreyfus. He phoned me up and he said, "In that, in our
2: neighbor, was, yeah, when are we having the, him to dinner?" Yeah, he said,
0: uh, let's, let's go ahead and do this. Um, uh, We'll work together. It would have been a great experience, but that's neither here nor there. That's, that's water under the dam. The point is that um, Costner and Helgeland finally came along, kicked this guy out and created a film that is morally, fundamentally um, related to what I had to say. Now, There's another fine trait of this film that he made, and that is, I think it is one of the dozen most beautiful movies ever shot, musically and visually. I think Kevin Costner is an absolutely brilliant cinematographer uh, and impresario of music and that sort of thing. Um, And we were cheated because he was pretty. Uh, If he had not been pretty and and, and attempted into acting and, and being the Lord, uh, star, he would have been a uh, a cinematographer, and we would have had a lot more beautiful movies. Um, so unfortunately, the last half hour of the movie is execrably dumb. Uh, you know, and that helped to make it not a success. Uh, if he had talked to me, I, uh, I might have been able to offer some ways to um, adapt his story. To be a little bit better to the audience, because by that point it's his story. It's true, and I would be—I would be a helper, and I tried to make clear that that's my attitude, because some authors, you know, ah, they yell and scream. So what are we left with? We're left with gorgeous, big-hearted, and dumb. <laughs> well, you know, that's What's what I've what, written. That's what my wife Cheryl married. <laughs> Gorgeous, big hearted and dumb. Oh. Um, So in any event, I noticed, Denise. No, that's not true. Denise smiled a little bit at that one. Thank you. (laughs) It helps. It helps get me through. Um, All right. So that's it with the Postman. Uh, I don't
2: know. I don't know if you know this, but my not my first novel, which is about the events that led up to the burning of the great library written in the ashes. It got um, picked up by an Academy Award winning producer. Who attached a writer who also destroyed the heart and marrow of the story so i have empathy for you because i couldn't tell you how relieved i was that it didn't sell that they weren't able to get it sold because I was like, oh, thank Christ, because I was so embarrassed and honestly mortified by the the destruction of my story that had been done by that writer, which is a very feminist story that he wrote out all the women and f- made it focused on the men, which just <sighs> wrecked the whole point of the book. So I was actually really relieved it didn't sell. So I can really I so you, you you control other- how it will go. You'll have other
0: chances, and I'm sure it will uh, do well. Um, and you'll ha- But the th- thing is, you are with the flux of culture right now. And the flux of culture is that uh, if you make something like this foundation...
2: Foundation's uh, amazing. Are you watching uh, it?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, whenever you have a chance, whatever character you wrote in which it's not specifically necessary for it to be male, you make that character female. Well, we've had, you know, a a century of the opposite. Yes. um, Where the only female characters were those who being female was uh, an, an essential trait, would be female. Now it's the only characters that are male are those for whom maleness is an essential trait and you know what we could do with a little overcompensation for a while uh let me mention also that my wife cheryl her new novel just came out from ring of, of memory uh, ring of fire press and it's got uh, probably the best opening line i have uh, i know of in years dang let's hear it all right i didn't
2: know cheryl was a writer congratulations oh yeah cheryl. no this
0: is a beautiful novel um I was nine when my words saved a man's life. It wasn't until later that my words killed him.
2: Ooh, that's very good. Dun, 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 I have chills. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so
0: uh, one last thing about the postman, Uh, what was it? That, oh yeah, so you asked a question about screenwriting. Every time, every three months, I would get a phone call from somebody and have to tell them the rights are already taken and the screenplays are horrible. Um, I would then uh, do therapy by writing three more pages of my own screenplay for the for for the story. Well, I completed. It happened so often that I completed the darn screenplay. (laughs) Costner was completely uninterested in seeing it. I think that the ending would have helped. Uh, it's got a good beginning too, uh, but my endings are where I am m- masterful in my novel writing. Uh, well, that's my- really
2: important because that's how you leave the audience feeling, and then that's what they base their recommendation off of. And is, uh, that's
0: and that's what Costner Flubb was the ending of that movie. The uh, the thing is that you know you have to develop your writing habits to compensate for your weaknesses. Um, For example, I'm weakest in openings, so what I do is I um, write the first fifth of a novel, then I'll circulate that fifth to my pre-reader coterie, and you'll find 40 names at the end of every novel of mine, of people who I thank for their harsh criticism. If they don't give me criticism, they just say, I loved it, they go off the list because criticism is the only known antidote to error, C to K. But then when I get the feedback on that first 20%, I build up momentum. I rewrite, write another 20%. Now I've got 40% of the novel. I circulate that, get feedback, rewrite, write another 20%. So by the time I'm done, the first 20% has been rewritten, or at least edited five times.
2: Well, now, will you be going off of an outline from there, or are you... Uh, Twice
0: I have worked off outlines. Are you, like,
2: exploring into the imagination, like with a discovery draft of what lies ahead? I generally plunge in. I love that, too. I do that also.
0: Because uh, I don't know the characters yet. Yep. Uh, But I have found that working from outline works... Uh, That's how I did the uh, final novel in Isaac Asimov's Foundation series, which is called Foundation's Triumph, uh, tying together all of his loose ends. Wait, you
2: wrote that novel in his series?
0: Yes, yes. uh, Janet Asimov and and Robin Asimov asked the uh, so-called killer bees, Greg Baer, Greg Benford, and myself... Holy shit! ...to write what's called the Second Foundation Trilogy. And they're standalone novels that refer to each other, so you can read Foundation's Triumph, which is the last one, all by itself. And I so t- you
2: ghost yeah. wrote that book in his series. I didn't ghost write. it has my name on oh, it. Oh, it has your name on it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just that the... I'm just trying. To, I'm just trying to follow you because I, I wasn't aware of this.
0: Oh ah, well, you know, it 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 hasn't been widely promoted. Um, but um Janet Asimov was extremely happy. It it tied together. Um, all of Isaac's loose ends from his cosmologies, future, including from uh, his obscure books like uh, Pebble in the Sky and the Currents of Space.
2: Wow, that is um, fascinating. And,
0: and was I consulted at all by Apple TV? <clears throat> no, they never go to the people uh, who actually know the material. <laughs> um so in any event the yes yeah, so i i to answer your question i did um that screenplay and then i've done a couple of others since then i have a stage play uh two right not so cool two actresses two actors and it's very very uh, cheap sets and you could do it as a table reading and I'm tr- actually trying to find a group to do a, um, a Zoomed table reading uh, because I think it's way fun. It's in the genre of um, smart ass confronts the devil. There have been many, and, but, you know, just, I just I felt it was time for a refresh with a little bit of modern the- theological questions and uppity in your face stuff. Um. And I just finished a relatively short screenplay based upon one of my novellas. And it was a fascinating experience. It's set under the oceans of Venus. uh, And I'm an astrophysicist, so I know there are currently no oceans on Venus. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it's a love story set um, thousands of years in the future, uh, where humanity is hiding under the new oceans of Venus from alien invaders and um uh it was a it was a good um i think it was a pretty good um um novella and it appears in one of my recent books just came out
2: of david brin
0: yes so this you can see the the different stories are represented by this wonderful patrick farley cover
2: that is a really cool cover
0: individual jewels that this um woman, who happens to be one of the three fates, uh, is is conjuring up. Uh, So this this, uh, novella, I started experimenting using a a screenwriting program to just translate it over um, the dialogue and all of that and the scene settings and all of that. And it worked perfectly. I was able to do it in a day.
2: Fantastic! Did you use like Final Draft or something?
0: Yeah, I I um, um I don't do screenplays enough to not be a, che- a cheapskate, so uh, I'll 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 get Final Draft if I do another one. But I I use uh, this other pro. What the heck is it called?
2: Movie Magic
0: Highlands.
2: Highlands. But that's great that it was so translatable that you just were able. To, it did did you do that as a pilot or as a feature?
0: Um, well, you know, the the discussions I've had with a couple of young producers, uh, it can go either way. But my agent, my Hollywood agent is only interested in TV pilots. So
2: Yeah, that's the way it's going right now. Because it seems like the features are all just planes parked on the runway. And everybody wants a series these days. So it's a great time to have a pilot. That's really cool.
0: Well, I just finished discussions um, last week uh, that are ongoing and very enthusiastic with a showrunner of several um, past shows um, about doing a series based upon my novel, Kiln People. Uh, It's about the future uh, where uh, everybody has a home copying device and your copies, you imprint your memories and all of your basically your soul into a clay, temporary clay ditto and bake it in a kiln and out comes this golem um, who has all of your memories and goes and does, knows what to do that day and then comes back. And if you choose to download the memories of that day, well, then you've been in two places at once. A busy person's dream. Hmm. And so you bake, you know, you bake one color uh, to go and study in the library and bring home what it learns. You bake another to cheap one to do all the clean the toilets and do the do the um, chores. Um, so, the poor,
2: poor man's cloning.
0: Well, what it is is it's it has none of the moral problems of cloning because cloning a clone is an, is a human being. Uh, we make clones all the time today. They're called identical twins, um, and uh, so a lot of the cloning science fiction has been, uh, I thought, I think, very cheap stuff. Uh, you, you don't. Uh, but there is one movie called *The Island* that I thought. Uh, I think that was Scarlett Johansson, um, but uh, the. Uh, I think they handled it very well. In other words, the clones, uh, you know, they deserve to have their own life, but not these clay copies. I mean, they're going to melt in 24 hours anyway, which makes for a great detective story because not only are the cops and the mafia chasing this copy around, but he has to make it home to download his memories or all they have to do is wait him out and he'll melt. So (laughs) you have this ticking clock... The standard ticking clock, you know, we've injected your neck with a bomb that'll go off in twenty-four hours. That, you don't have to do that. Just keep him from getting back. <laughs> um, okay, so I have I have been talking and not letting you ask questions, but, but I we're going to has-
2: get we're going to get to questions in about ten minutes because I want to also talk to you about vivid tomorrows uh, on science fiction and Hollywood. Tell tell us about this relationship between science fiction and Hollywood. Well, I
0: think that what's happened is that, and you can see old Jody there, uh, and this just came out from McFarland Press. Um, Congratulations. Fantastic. It's a collection of various essays and rants about Hollywood and science fiction over the last um, 20, 30 years. And the central point is that we probably wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for science fiction Hollywood. Uh, There are just too many examples of what's called the self-preventing prophecy, that is uh, stories that have so chilled audiences that they decide to gird themselves and make part of their lives, trying to uh, make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, Now, a lot of our dystopias and apocalypses aren't in that genre of self-preventing prophecy because all they are is doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. You don't learn anything that's useful from the Hunger Games or from the uh, the most recent Mad Max. The older Mad Maxes had had a different ethos, but um, it's arguable, and a lot of retired military officers assert that because of the genre of "this is how nuclear war could start," that we may we may be alive because of those dire warnings. Dr. Strangelove uh, warned about possible uh, flaws in the chain of command over nuclear weapons. Um, War games about the computer's controls, fail safe, uh, similarly. Um, On the beach about the futility of of massive nuclear war. Um, These arguably are one reason why the procedures for control over nuclear weaponry were so carefully redesigned and redesigned because these failure modes were exposed. The China Syndrome, um, uh, uh, Contagion, and some of the virus um, uh, movies uh, helped to um, elicit a lot of the research that uh, resulted in these miracle uh, vaccines in almost almost an eye blink last year. Phenomenal. Uh, the um, and the granddaddy of uh, some of the feminist uh, uh, science fiction. Um, <laughs> you know, the The Handmaid's Tale is a fantasy that could never happen because ninety five percent of women and in America and ninety percent of men would die pre- tra- fighting to prevent it. But as an allegory, in Texas. Uh, now even in Texas. <laughs> I
2: think. I'm just joking. The, well, I'm the, sorry, only, reason, the only reason
0: why Texas is not a blue state is gerrymandering. The um, the point is, uh, and the granddaddy of all of uh, oh, the ecological ones. Um, Soylent Green, the movie, sci-fi movie Soylent Green, probably recruited a hundred million uh, environmentally um, active um, people all by itself. Um, but the granddaddy is of course, George Orwell's 1984. Yeah. Uh, and it's used as a metaphor by both the left and the right. The right claims that, um, uh, conspiracies to create, uh, Big Brother are taking place among snooty academics and faceless government bureaucrats. The left believe, believes that, uh, Big Brother is coalescing among aristocrats, oligarchs and, and faceless corporations. It happens, I believe, that one side of this divide is vastly more right than the other about the immediate threat. But in abstract, it is completely reasonable <laughs> to worry about any accumulation of power. But I'm drifting from the book. Um, the self-preventing prophecy is one of the aspects here about how science fiction may have saved the world. Uh, I go into uh, discussions of what are the hidden messages in. Uh, Hollywood movies in general, but especially science fiction. And the number one message is suspicion of authority. Um, You cannot name a popular film that you've enjoyed in the last 20-30 years that doesn't uh, shake its fist at some kind of authority figure. Sometimes it's a rogue government agency, uh, a a mad corporation, it could be a mother-in-law. But Defiance of authority is core, and this is one of the reasons why the Chinese Politburo doesn't like Hollywood movies. Um, Another aspect um, lesson is tolerance, diversity and eccentricity. If you watch the beginning of a movie that you really enjoy, the, the main character, the protagonist usually shows some eccentric trait in the first five minutes. And here's the deal. It doesn't have to be the same eccentric trait as the audience member in order for the audience member to identify with the character because the character is eccentric in some way. Give us
2: one that's top of mind for you as an example.
0: Oh. You name a movie. And I'll, uh, I mean, you know, um, Steel Magnolias for crying out loud. okay? Okay. I'm going outside of my... Um, um, uh, Your lane. <laughs> green Rotten Tomatoes. Um, you know, uh, the the uh, that one was a little Freudian there. <laughs> um, in a harmless what way. Do you, what
2: do you think James Bond's uh, Eccentricity is?
0: Oh, well, Eccentricity in the latest movie, which, by the way, I highly recommend. Uh, oh, I'm
2: so excited to see it. Phoebe waller bridge did it.
0: We just saw it in a theater yesterday. I s- set aside a my brain into categories and cells when I go to a movie. Because otherwise, the person sitting next to me, Cheryl, <laughs> will kill me <laughs> if I leave my critical faculties fully turned on during a movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because... Um, there are very few movies in which I would not spoil it if I left my critical fa- faculties turned on. Conan the Barbarian is the world's most perfect movie at what it was trying to be. Um, and the Fifth, made no, the Fifth Element made no attempts to be anything other than a golden retriever jumping at, on your lap and licking you for, for, <laughs> for two hours. Other than those two- How
2: do you feel about Total Recall?
0: Well, Total Recall, uh, both of them. I mean, uh, had highly positive traits. Total Recall, the, the Arnold movie, was a wonderful movie. But I would, I would be murdered if I left my, if I let left connected my critical faculties to my enjoyment, or to my mouth during the film. But the critical part of me does take notes, and so after the James Bond movie. I could note a few things that, you know, I would have k- uh, kvetched in meetings, but it's all in all a truly fine, truly wonderful movie and extremely enjoyable. And I'm about to spoil it for you. No, I won't. No! <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, very, uh, it's a very enjoyable film. But, you know, one the, the eccentricity that he shows us in the beginning is I'm bitter and in retirement. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm fishing, I'm fishing in Jamaica. That
2: sounds like a luxury to me. I would give it anything to be bitter and in retirement.
0: <laughs> Jamaica, bringing uh, uh, fish that you speared back. No, 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 you, you're, much more, you're much more useful now. And he becomes use, useful again. Um, okay. So um, those are some of the themes. Um, and by the way, there are um, a couple of, not wholesome themes that we see in a great many films these days, especially science fiction.
2: Especially science fiction. I feel like there's a danger in the dystopian um, tendency to paint the world as a disaster forthcoming with no redeeming salvation exactly. within humanity.
0: Exactly. They the,
2: makes me sad.
0: The two worst messages that are coming out of Hollywood are based on laziness. Lazy storytelling, because you need to create this um, opposition of an authority figure. And what better way than to have it be El Presidente, who kills people left and right for no particular reason and doesn't have any goals other than to um, to be a slathering, uh, nasty hunger addict. Um So... You know, the the two messages that are delivered largely out of laziness in Hollywood are uh, your neighbors are all sheep and society is useless. Um, In so many uh, movies, um, even if you suspect the local sheriff is nasty and horrible, there's some neighbor whose door you could knock on but your neighbors are portrayed as useless and all institutions are evil. Uh, So if you dial 911, uh, they don't answer. They answer late. They answer incompetently. If they answer competently, the cops arrive late. If the cops arrive on time they're incompetent, if they arrive on time and they're competent, they are automatically in cahoots with the bad guy. Unless the villain is super competent. So in the Batman movies, the Gotham police force is shown being highly professional and showing up on time, but they're just overmatched. And so you have this spectrum of uh, villain capability that um, where if you go all the way to Independence Day, the aliens are so badass that the United States government and military are allowed to be simultaneously competent and good. So that they can serve as a support pillar for the two requisite, identifiable individual heroes to do their thing. So I'm not saying don't enjoy the movies with this critical faculty understanding how they were doing it and how they're checking off these boxes and which ones you wish they didn't check off but you have to be able to tune your dials in order to also enjoy a movie i don't tune off my moral compass except when i absolutely have to uh, for business reasons see a flick like the star wars movies if I have to go to the Star Wars movie I'll get stoned and I'll turn off my even my moral value which one has to do because <laughs> it's, the series is absolutely stunningly evil. And I have a book about that.
2: Ah Star Wars on- it's just, it's just really a shame you're not more articulate. Uh, Star Wars on trial yeah.
0: Is the Star, Wars
2: on tri- Star Wars on Trial. I, l- I liked
0: Empire Strikes Back and the original New Hope uh, movie. I liked them very much. I had a lot of hopes and then then it just became pure evil. All right. So a little bit of opinion. I, I really, you really need to pull out my opinions a little more.
2: Uh, <laughs> hey, I w- I'm going to ask you one last question and then we're going to pivot to the Q&A. Since this is the Entertainment Business Wisdom Podcast, What wisdom would you like to share with the audience today?
0: Well, I mean, uh, if your aim is to work with Hollywood, uh, you know, TV or movies, uh, well then, you know, the mix of talent, acquired skill, connections and luck um, that you need really weigh hard on the last two. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is the heroic center of our myth taking these days. Um, so even though I have had some things developed and some and some reputation, uh, nevertheless, uh, my wife doesn't mind my holding meetings in Hollywood, going up to L.A. because she knows I'll behave myself. Because ain't no Hollywood star starlet's ever going to sleep with the writer. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old joke. <laughs> you know, she was. You know, this, the the movie star was so dumb she slept with the writer. Uh, it, it's, it's just not going to happen. Um, so that you was a, me. yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the the point is that that um, you have to have a you know. Don't quit your day job and have a be in it for the art, for your own sake. Now, there are new paths for getting your creativity before people. In, in novels, there is self-publishing. Um, in, um, I've been trying to work with some people uh, in Hollywood, some of the technology people, to develop what's called the animated storyboard. And that it would put the writer at the center uh, of a small team that would create a cartoon. But perfectly timed, beaded, basic piano music, um, stick figures, or, or, or very simple avatars doing the acting. But if the voice actors are good, it will be a fine, fine uh, I mean, you can watch fi- stick figures. If the voices are good and the dialogue is good and the story is good, you will weep.
2: Well, clarify uh, that for me. Do you mean like as a sales tool or actually? Not,
0: well, first off as a sales tool, well, they're already developing all these techniques, but the animated storyboards they have now are a director's tool and a producer's tool to map out the whole movie in advance, cost it out, or to get the camera angles right. The directors are yeah. already doing this if it were unleashed in the hands of small teams centered on, on the screenwriter, then you would create a, its own independent art form. And I think in this day of YouTube, I think that it would be an absolutely fabulous art form.
2: How cool is that? Yeah. I love that idea.
0: And what you would then happen is it would generate its own audience and the producers would have to come to this team and they would say, all right, we'd like to do a live action version of this. Here's a pot of money. And you, by the way, you are, you're the producer because you've already made this thing. Um, and uh, now, could you please take it down? <laughs> so so uh, um, pot of money, creative control.
2: A war chest. Oh, the oh, okay. Market. Okay. I'll I'll I'll
0: take it, I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it down now. It, it just won a big award at uh, is the, the sticky for stick figures. The
2: sticky award. <laughs> sticky award. Everyone
0: um, gets to post it. Okay, <laughs> well I, I let's let's open it up
2: for questions. David Brin there's a reason uh you work for CIA and and NASA. You're a genius. Thank you for being no a problem. special guest.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe, like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander and Sylvia Franklin can be found on Twitter for your questions and comments. Kaya at this is T-H-I-S-I-S-K-A-I-A. And Sylvia at R That's R R. W-R-I-T-E-U-R Get career training and a free ebook, How to Pitch Anything in One Minute at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com Thank you.